0: Well, good morning. Today, we are headed toward Daniel chapter six, one of the most interesting ver- books in the Bible, I think. Uh, if you're looking for high energy and uh, nail-biting stories in the Bible, Daniel is the book for you. Um, Daniel chapter six is probably one of the most famous stories in all the Bible. This is Daniel in the... See, Thank you, yeah. Daniel in the lion's den. You know what this story's about? This story is about miraculous deliverance. Now I googled, Daniel couldn't do this, but I can, right? So I googled as I was preparing for this message, um, what do you do if you are being attacked by a lion, What are your chances of survival if you are being attacked by a lion? Google told me that if you are are a man and you're being attacked by an African lion, you have 0% chance of survival. That's pretty serious. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den... There was no question about what was going to happen. Daniel was going to die. He's an 80-plus-year-old man. He'll be a quick little snack for a pack of lions. But this is not what happened. This is the story of divine intervention. This is a story of deliverance. You know, I, this, this last May 31, I have it on my calendar um, I will never forget that day because uh, 21 years ago, while we were sitting in traffic in Manila, I complain about traffic in Springfield, um, but we have nothing like what you experience in Manila. It was bumper-to-bumper traffic. We were standing. I mean, you, you're not going. You're just waiting, 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 waiting in the traffic. I was with Cindy, our five kids, and this lady who lived with us, her name is Ami, And we were sitting in the traffic and just kind of waiting to be able to get, we were going to my parents' house. All of a sudden, we heard a knock at the window, and I I didn't know what was going on. Then I looked up, and there's a guy with a gun knocking at the window where the driver was sitting. And then on the other side, all of a sudden, another man appeared with a gun knocking at that window. I'm still brain dead okay my wife is the ninja in a crisis in my family she knows what to do me I go brain dead all of a sudden a third man appeared at the back of the it was a look a jeep thing and um he comes he's knocking at our window and he's got a gun and he's saying in Tagalog open this door I'm going to shoot you And then he reared back, cocked the gun, and he said it again, open this door or I'm going to shoot you. And Ami, who was with us, thought maybe in the excitement I had forgotten what what that means in Tagalog, so she translated. Sir, she said, open the door, he's going to shoot you. I'm going to tell you what was going on in my mind. I was so afraid, not so much that he was going to shoot me because I don't know. I was afraid he was gonna grab one of my kids. And I couldn't bear the thought of him taking one of my kids. And finally, though, I realized I gotta open this door. And if you've ever had like someone with a gun literally pointed at your head, it's it is a frightening experience. Cindy Ami begin to pray out loud, seriously, for prayer, a prayer of deliverance out loud. All of the kids were crying. You know, I always say, James wet his pants because he was just like a little guy. He was about four years old. Sorry, James. And um, I should have told that. (laughs) He was just a baby boy at that time. He's pointing at me right now. So anyway, I'm in trouble. I will buy him a snack at the Dollar General after church. So, um, but we are the loudest group you could rob. We're they're screaming prayers. Me, I'm silent, trying to figure out what's going on. My wife grabs Coco's purse. It had a, it had some film in it, like one of those throwaway cameras. It had a tooth that she was going to turn into the, to the tooth fairy. She hadn't got around to it yet. And a few other things. The man says, where's the money? He had seen me at the bank. Cindy grabbed that purse of cocoa and handed it to him. And he grabbed it and then he left. The next group that they found they killed the man. We read in the paper. When we left, I was exhausted. But we had been delivered. I had been delivered. We were all safe, rattled, shaken. You know, it's a wonderful thing when God delivers. And he often does. Daniel chapter 6 does prove that God, according to his sovereign will in his plan, does intervene in the lives of people. I can't give you a guarantee that he will always do it according to your plan, but I can tell you that God in heaven is watching And he's noticing, and there have been times when he intervenes. And I think, knowing that to be true, if we're in a crisis, we better be praying for deliverance. We better be exercising faith. He is the God who can do the impossible, and he he can rescue us out of anything. Why would you not ask God for a deliverance, but know this, he doesn't always deliver So you can't take Daniel chapter six and say that means that God under all circumstances in my times of trouble is gonna deliver me. You would be making a theological error. That is not the case. But I think you must say if you are in a very serious crisis that it is possible and you should entreat this good God in heaven who is kind and gracious and he can be entreated and there's deliverance. Now, so all of that to say this is the story of deliverance. You know, growing up, I read the story of Daniel. I mean, Daniel's a cool guy. He, he, he has, the, the first six chapters are God at work in powerful ways and experience after experience after experience. I mean, Daniel, you might have said, well, boy, Daniel kind of lived a charmed life. Well, actually, as I studied it out, uh, I don't think it was a charmed life because he goes from 15 in Daniel chapter one to Daniel chapter six. He's like 80 plus years old. He's been doing this for more than 70 years. He's been living in the tension of his life experience, the struggle, the difficulties, the challenges, the trials. I mean, but, but we do get recorded these incredibly great six accounts of his life. And then we we come to Daniel chapter six, and that's what we're going to look at today. But the thing about Daniel is that Daniel lived in the tension of being an exile in Babylon for over 70 years. It was hard. It never was easy. He was an outsider. He was a refugee. He was a slave. He was a servant. Daniel's greatest dream and greatest desire, we can tell from this text, was to be able to go home to Jerusalem and see his country uh, reconstituted and, and restored. And he prayed for this. He prayed for this for over 70 years. Um, Daniel was constantly surrounded by people that were his rivals, who were like, it's like walking through a snake pit. They're ready to take him down at every, at every step. Daniel had to de- depend on the power of God, the deliverance of God. But Daniel, through all of this, he endures, and he has faith. And Because Daniel believed that his mission was to honor God and to declare his greatness to the nations. Actually, it was in these stories that God in heaven moved the pen of kings to record in human history for all time that there is a God in heaven. He is active. He is at work. And it would be a wise thing for people all over the world to praise and honor the God of heaven, the God of Daniel. So, I mean, you know what? It's, it's in the history books. God exists according to these kings. But Daniel lived with a constant threat of being killed. He he'd lived with the constant tensions that made his life very difficult. But Daniel had decided that he was willing to die for the glory of God. The beautiful thing about that is when you know and when you figure out what you're willing to die for, you also discover the reason to live. And so he was on mission. He was constantly being faithful to God against all odds. Now, you know, I, one one thing. I, one verse I love is Hebrews 11, 35 to 40. I mean, because there are so many people in the history of the of the bible that actually did die in service to God to honor God because they refused to compromise but listen to how hebrews puts this others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Can you imagine the world, they wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and in caves of the earth, all. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something far better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And so this is a list of people who paid the ultimate price because they kept their eye on God, his power, his sovereignty, and the ultimate victory that all who follow him will enjoy. Daniel was not a guy that followed God with this theory. God bless me and I'll be faithful to you. That wasn't his plan. Daniel was a God, a guy who said, God, I will be faithful to you no matter what happens because you are a God and your kingdom has no end and that is what secures me. Not here and now, not the present circumstances. So Daniel chapter 6 teaches as many lessons. Let's, I just want to go through it real quickly here. Number one, in Daniel chapter 6, everybody has a plan. Do you know that the people around you have a plan for your life? Did you know that? Do you know what the plan of AT&T for your life is? It's for you to buy their products and pay them money. That's their plan. Do you know what the plan of Walmart is? The plan of Walmart is for you to come and buy their products and pay their money. You know, everybody around you has a plan. You know, if, if you ever take care of a little baby, a little baby, I've experienced this, a year and a half year old baby has a plan for his, the, her grandfather. She wants what she wants when she wants it. She's got a plan for my life. Imagine that. Everybody has a plan. This was Daniel's life. Beginning in verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. And so here was the plan of Darius. What was Dan- What is Darius's plan? Darius' plan's w- plan was Daniel's the best guy I can find. I mean, Dan- with Daniel in charge, and I'm thinking I'm going to promote him instead of just being one of three, I'm going to make him one over all. Because Daniel is wise and honest. He is skillful and talented. He is godly. There's no skimming off the top. There's no messing with the books. Daniel is a man of integrity. And it makes sense to Darius. He's going to gain more by, by making Daniel overall. Now, the other people, they begin to catch wind of this. So In verse 4, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they couldn't find no charge or fault. They went to investigate, looking for dirt on Daniel so that they could discredit him and put him out of the game. But they couldn't find anything because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. These men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Because the one thing that they knew about Daniel, Daniel was he was absolutely without compromise committed to the glory and honor of God, and he would not compromise that. They also knew that Daniel— Remembered the prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem years ago. And in that prayer, Solomon said, when you are scattered among the nations, if you will, from wherever you are, turn and face Jerusalem and pray to God, he will hear your prayer and he is gonna eventually restore you. And Daniel, three times a day, opened the windows, face toward Jerusalem, and he prayed, he prayed, and he thanked God for who he was and what he was doing, and begged God to restore them. So, I mean, they, they said, we, we, the only place we're gonna catch him is we're gonna catch him because he is so committed. He's so committed to his God. But as far as his job goes, wow, nothing to find there. So these governors, verse six, and satraps thronged before the king, and said thus to him, so they, they made a plan. They have a plan for the king too. See, the king had a plan, so did these people. Everybody has a plan. They go to the king. King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. I mean, they're saying, O king, you are so incredible. We need this whole nation and this empire to know how great you are. O king, we're so, we we are just, we are just so fortunate to be able to serve you. Do you see the flattery that's going on here? You know, beware of flattery in your life. All of us are susceptible to flattery. Are you you susceptible to flattery? Now, honest praise is a wonderful thing. It's encouraging and it is life-giving. Flattery, you know what, sometimes people tell me, man, Pastor, you're looking so good. You know what I'm thinking? I know you're lying to me, but come on. Man you are so smart you you are the smartest person i know just be careful flattery often is a setup there's something else going on so they they made this plan and now they say, "O oh, King, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter, therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So for 30 days, no one was to pray to any God or person." Now everybody was there except Daniel. It's interesting that the king didn't notice. His favorite guy was not among the group. But the flattery carried him right past that. Daniel hears. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since the early days. So, in verse 14, and the king, when he heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. So these guys, immediately they came, and said, hey, king, we got a news for you. Daniel has disobeyed your law. The king calls in the constitutional attorneys and says, is there a way out of here? Guys, he's my guy. We've gotta find a way to deliver him. They come back and they say, oh king, that's the law of the Medes and the Persians and no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Nothing to do here. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Everybody's happy except for Daniel and except for the king. The king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. You know, it's interesting that the one who prays here at the end of the story is the king. And he's praying to the God of Daniel. He prays. Like he has faith to believe that God could intervene in the circumstances of people. Wow. See, the point is this the plan that wins is always God's plan. There's no question. The king can't sleep all night, he refuses to be entertained by his musicians. He goes early in the morning, according to verse 19, with haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, not knowing if any, any response will happen. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually able to deliver you uh, from... Uh, From the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Notice how gracious Daniel is. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. At this point, the king asked commanded that he be brought out of the den but he realizes who the bad guys really are and he calls for all these men that had forced his hand and he says take their children and their wives throw them all into the den of lions and by the time you get to verse 24 all of these men and their families are dead and their bones are torn apart and then the king writes he praises the power of God. Then King Darius writes, To all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever the kingdom. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And then Daniel dies after Cyrus the Persian is installed. you know we live in a day where people reject the whole idea that there is truth what is truth i've even heard people say well i mean you know you keep talking about truth i mean that's that's very arrogant of you that's very proud truth I mean, what is truth? Truth is what I believe is truth. Truth is what you believe is truth. But you're talking about truth, like capital T truth. That doesn't actually exist. There is no reality of truth. That's what our world is telling us today. Have you noticed that? You're so inflexible. You're so old-fashioned. You're so archaic. But this story proves that there's still a God in heaven who Does declare what is truth. Daniel writes to prove God is real and his ways are right. Daniel um, leads us to encounter a God that we can trust, whose ways are right. Now, you know, we have a term right now in our culture because there's a tremendous amount of pressure to make sure that nobody declares that anything is true. Have you noticed that? It's called political correctness. We are being compelled to bow down to the false ideas that are being imposed on us. There is an ongoing effort to indoctrinate our children away from any biblical ideas of truth and goodness that lead to human flourishing. And these these pressures are stronger than ever before, I think, in the history of our culture. You know what we have to do? We have to be like Daniel and we have to stand up. We have to stand up for what is true. Now, I don't think that we should stand up and be arrogant Christian jerks. Have you ever encountered an arrogant Christian jerk before? Don't be that guy. But we need to stand up and say, well, this is what the Bible says is the plan of God and the truth of God. You know, the one thing I love about Daniel was that Daniel did not, he did not fight his haters. He didn't ever develop a bad attitude I mean, one of the things that made Daniel so incredible was his excellent spirit. I mean, he, he was a man who was respectful and humble and kind and gracious. You know what Jesus tells us to do with our enemies? Do you, have you ever read that? You know what Jesus says to do with it? He doesn't say, scold them, beat them up, make them look like fools. No, he doesn't say that. You know what he says? He says, you know what? was what I want you to do. I mean, here, here's the deal. You love your friends? Not a big deal. You love your enemies? That's godly. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to forgive your enemies. I want you to do good for your enemies. I want you to bless your enemies. Because you know what? You see, if if we can act like that, even with people who disagree with us, we have a power of God that flows in and through us, a winsomeness that enables people who disagree to maybe give a listen to what is being said. Billy Graham said this, courage is contagious, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. Wow. That's what we need to do today. Now, I do want to warn you this, that um, if, if, you, if you decide to stand for the truth of God and to live within the, the, you know, the, the, the um, truth of God, how we live, our morals, our, you probably are going to have to surrender your, your popular card. So get it out of your wallet right now and say i'm going to surrender my popular card please do not pull out a jerk card but you know what you will not be the most popular one if you stand for the truth of god in this day what you need to take out is your faith card and be courageous that's what that's how that's how uh, daniel lived Os- oswald's chamber said this The remarkable thing about God is when you fear God, you fear nothing else, whereas when you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That was Daniel. I fear God, I will stand in front of the king, and because I fear God, I'm not so worried about what the king's going to do. One of the dilemmas throughout the Bible is this idea, why did the wicked prosper? Have you ever wondered that? Sometimes it feels like everybody else is winning, but not the truth of God. Why do the wicked prosper? You know what? This discussion has been going on since the Old Testament. It's, it, this, you can read many passages in Psalms, or Job, or Habakkuk, or uh, Malachi. I mean, throughout the Bible is, I mean, why are the ungodly winning? Why are they prospering? Daniel's life is a study of a man who chooses to be faithful when so much around him is going wrong for more than 70 years. It's been hard. He's fought the same battles time and time again. He's been betrayed time and time again. But Daniel has decided, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trusting in God and I'm not going to let go. I will trust in God to the very end. And if the lion's den is my end, so be it. And then God delivered him. Do you know that um, God has a mission for you? Every one of you in this room. He's got a mission for you. I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. And in particular, I love Ephesians chapter 2. My goodness, it's such a great, great chapter. You who were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's where it starts. Not much redeeming qualities about me. But it was in that state that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Verse 5 of Ephesians 2. Even when you were dead in trespasses... You, are made, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I just want to say this. You think God is good now? You just wait He's going to dump on all of us the exceeding greatness of his kindness. That is yet to come. We have no idea what's in store, but it's good. Why did God create us? Why did God save us? Because he wants to give us his kindness. Ephesians 2, eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And then verse 10 is the verse I'm after here. For we are his workmanship. The word workmanship there means masterpiece. We are God's work, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I are the masterpieces of God. If you think you're not worth much, you offend God. Because what he says to you today Oh, no, 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 no. I know everything about you. But you are my masterpiece. I saved you by my grace. You didn't do anything. wasn't any works. And you know why I saved you? Because in the ages to come, I've got so much kindness. I intend to pour out all over you. And in the meantime... As my masterpiece, I've got stuff for you to do today. How you live, what you say, your ability to love your enemies, your ability to stand for truth in love and grace. Be assured my plan is gonna win. but I've got you right where you are at this very time in your family in your community in this day because you're a part of my plan to reach this world Daniel from his youth even though life was hard He chose he was going to honor and glorify God. And even when it felt like in this world things were really never working out, he trusted that God in eternity would balance the books. And so he would stay faithful to the God who was sovereign and ruled for time and eternity. I want to ask you if you would to bow your heads. You know, I can say that God today knows what's going on in everybody's life right now. And I can say that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. I just love those verses. Did you know that God... Loves you, he likes you, you are his masterpiece if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and received his salvation. He's got stuff for you to do, so don't think your life doesn't count or matter. Trust him, follow him, do what he says. I think people are depressed and lost because they don't have any purpose. They don't find meaning in life. And God says, no, I, I got plenty for you to do. Come on. Get up. Put one foot in front of the next one. Keep trusting. Stand for what is true. Be an example for the world to see. Maybe you're here today and you just need to, at this moment, say, God, God, I'm I'm being reminded of this, and I surrender to you right now. Once again, I give you my life. I want you to use me. I want to trust in you. I want to move in faith. I want to make my life count. Pray that prayer. Ask him. Maybe you're here today, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, he knows who you are and what you've done, and he extends his salvation to you, and you are saved by grace, the gift of God. And after you're saved, he's going to put you to work. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, maybe you're online, why don't you pray with me? Say, God in heaven, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I believe, Jesus, that you went to the cross and you paid for our sin and then you rose again. And you're our only hope. You're the only one who's conquered death. So, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior today, right now. Come into my life. Save me. You if you prayed that prayer with me, we'd love to connect with you in fact we're going we're going have some people down here in the front in just a minute come and let's let us pray with you about this um, fill out the connection card just put on there that today you accepted Christ or text ninety four thousand the word prayed and we want to we want to come alongside and help you along your journey would you stand please?